All right, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to the Ron and Don Show. It's episode 445, and heck yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up here, uh, we're going to talk about things your teachers did in the 80s and 90s uh, that maybe they couldn't do today. And so, Ron, I'm going to ask you, uh, you graduated high school in the 80s. What were some of the things your teachers did? I have two things in particular that I want to share that I don't think they would get away with uh, today. I wonder if Varsity is the same one. <laughs> does, it, does it involve Varsity cheerleaders? Also, uh, you know, they say the secret to being a really good real estate agent is adding value to someone else's life. Uh, but is that a good example for all of us? Uh, as my son and I have uh, explored that together. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. They say that there is a there are a lot of women in America today that aren't taking the off-ramp to go have children. And statistically, in the past, women were never on the interstate to make money anyway. Men made sure of that. And then all of a sudden, women start going to college in droves. We have more college-educated women in America today than we do men. And typically, what we see happen sometimes, though, is women take this off-ramp, they have their children, and then they try to hit that on-ramp to come back into the workplace, and sometimes they're locked out. News story today says, well, there's a lot of women that aren't having children because they're not getting married, and they're not taking that off-ramp. And as a result of that, they are building wealth and getting rich at a pace that we have never seen before. Yeah, this is a really interesting article. I- I'm still waiting to find the person that says, man or woman, it was like, yeah, looking back, you know, I maybe I shouldn't have had kids. And I'm not saying you don't love your kids or there aren't great moments on it, but it seems like a struggle uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. The one number, before we get back to women, I'm going to do this quick aside. They had a number in the story that said that raising a child in America from infancy to 17 years old costs a little over $300,000. That seems very low to me. That's Am I like, right? That's like the first six months. <laughs> I was like, 300 grand from, from zero yeah. to 17? Your I, hospital bill is probably 50 grand. My son and I were at the Nordstrom Rack yesterday, and we were shopping for back to school, and I think we spent 300 grand, and we walked out there. Before we, you got the we, shoes. We walked, we walked out of there with two really small bags. It, it would, in, in the Pacific <laughs> Northwest. When's the last time you've gone to the Nordstrom Rack, and you bought a couple items, and you look down, and the bill is $491? I know. Like, like, even, even the Nordstrom Rack is not a deal anymore. Have you ever done the math? I would think that it would be, in the Pacific Northwest, zero to 17. It's got to be 750 grand minimum. Yeah. And that, and, and, minimum. And, and then you have to think about schools. And a lot of my friends send their kids to private school. They do say if you're going to spend a lot of money on a child's education, and statistically, this is true, you're better off taking all that college money and that 529 plan that you're going to use when they go to college, use it in junior high and high school because that's when they learn to read. That's when they learn to reason. 
that's when they learn about world history. Uh, and that's when they really learn to become a critical thinker. So those times are so, and I agree with that. It, it was really my high school education that was the best high school, edu- the best education I ever had. I'm not a college graduate. I think if you added up all my credits, I would be. But the, but the education I got at the University of New Mexico or even the University of Washington, and and I left there because we got uh, radio offers down in San Francisco, so we went. And and I always thought I would go back and finish it and get the degree. I think I would go back out of curiosity, but not to get the degree because I want to show my son that you can do things in this world and not have that formal piece of paper. And I wasn't a quitter. I, I left school because I was going to school to teach me something that in essence for the job that I wanted couldn't really teach me. Uh, at the same time, if you're going to be a lawyer or doctor, then yeah, you, 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 you have to go to school. But, but for him, I want him to see that you know, there's going to be. I, I save up a little bit of money every month. We have some money invested in a house, and down the road, I would love for him. I think taking a year and traveling the world and becoming a world citizen, and and I think it. I think it really helps you then understand what your 20s, 30s, 40s, and the rest of your life is going to look like, and how you're going to view the world, what kind of parent you're going to be if you decide to do that. And yeah, I, I, I. I applaud women if, if, and men, if they say, Hey, this is not the path for me. Uh, I, I have friends that have children that, that I can tell they cannot wait until those kids graduate. And, uh, and they're basically, uh, off and out of their house. I think the other thing that was interesting in this article that I hadn't really thought of is there are a lot of women now that, this generation, they look at the state of the world. They look at the state of the climate. They look at the state of politics and they, they reason to themselves, do I want to bring a child into this world? Um, and I don't know if that existed as strongly as it does right now in previous generations. There, there has been an optimism uh, in America going back, you know, at least 150 years or so that my children are going to have a better life than I had. My children are going to make more money than I did. Uh, the, they're going to be more prosperous, more healthy. Life expectancy is going to go up. Uh, I have an optimism about bringing my children into this world. That has changed for a lot of people. Yeah, in- and you're right. I mean, we're in, in another podcast. We'll be talking about how life expectancy has plummeted. If you're Native American in this country, life expectancy has plummeted to 65 years young. That's incredible. And a lot of that has to do with the pandemic, of course. Uh, or we think about, I was reading an article the other day about the earth is burning and where are our kids going to live uh, in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years as we head towards 2050? There'll be places around the world where people live now. It'll be... a there's going to be major climate impacts when they're not going to be able to live in some of those coastal cities. And, and the woman they pre they profiled in this article, she went a successful uh, woman that lives in New York. She went ahead and had a bunch of her eggs frozen just in case she changes her mind. But they said she has an apartment in New York. She's very successful. She just bought a place on the Jersey Shore so she can go out there in the summer. She enjoys travel. She enjoys uh, hanging out with her friends. She doesn't, uh, she has the biological drive where she's like, okay, I'm going to freeze some eggs just in case 
Uh, this is something I want to do, but I'm not going to do it right now. And I'm pretty happy and fulfilled. I have nieces and nephews. My friends have kids. When I want kid time, I have access to kid time. And then I can go out to my beach house on the Jersey Shore. There you go. Yeah. I, I've done the same thing with my eggs as well. So we'll see you on that side of this. When Seattle nonprofit Plymouth Healing Communities decided to sell one of their group homes for the mentally ill and homeless, board member Catherine Walker turned to Ron and Don. It was a complicated and delicate deal. They didn't want people traipsing in and out and disturbing the residents. So instead of hanging a for sale sign, the guys turned to their deep network and found a buyer themselves. It very quickly got to terms and we signed and that was that. And then they followed through on everything to make this happen. And Catherine says she was even more blown away by what Ron and Don did next. They offered to donate their commission. It was incredible. Their generosity had a meaningful impact on the lives of 47 residents in our organization. Heart, soul, expertise, Catherine says all of that and more is what sets Ron and Don apart from other realtors. They did a great job and genuinely interested in helping us achieve our goals. They seemed truly service-minded as opposed to kind of transaction-minded. So whether you're selling or buying, take Catherine Walker's work and schedule your Ron and Don sit-down today. Follow us on the social media platforms. Just search for Ron Upshaw or Don O'Neill. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. I love uh, BuzzFeed sometimes where they just ask a question and then normal everyday citizens, they pile in. And a question could be, hey, uh, if you've ever uh, worked at a Burger King, what are some of the things that you could tell us that people would not want to know about working at a Burger King? And people, <laughs> to, to me, I don't get addicted to TikTok. I get, a, I get addicted to that stuff. I just, I will start going deep and usually BuzzFeed will have like the top 25 responses to it. What kind of fruit am I? <laughs> anyway, they put up one and they said, hey, what are some of the things that your teachers did in the 80s and 90s that they couldn't do now? And someone said, <laughs> That uh, if you had a loose tooth, it was just known in school that you would go to the principal and the principal would rip out your tooth for you and then hand you a lollipop. <laughs> that had to be elementary school. You know what? And chances are you probably couldn't do that today, which is too bad because my son has had a number of loose teeth. I would have loved to send him to the principal. He would have loved to gotten a lollipop, and then we didn't have to go to the dentist that way. We cut out that bill because who has dental insurance anymore? You don't get it because it doesn't cover anything. So anyway, uh, I was thinking about this, some of the stuff that my teachers did in the 80s and 90s. Uh, one of my teachers wasn't a teacher. He's actually one of the counselors. He would go, you could go into his office and anytime you're having a hard time, he's a, he's, a, and he's a very cool guy, but he's, he's a Pentecostal guy. And so he did something called speaking in tongues. Sounds like this shit about Honda, 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 but I bought a Toyota, shit about Honda. Sounded kind of like that to me is what it sounded like. So anyway, but he was really sincere. And anytime you want in high school. Yeah, in high school, anytime you wanted to go into his office, he would go over, he would close the doors, he would lay hands on you, and he would pray for you in the name of Jesus. And I have to say, I don't know that I believed everything that he was doing, 
But I always felt pretty good when I walked out. And of he's it. a school employee. Yeah, school. So if we wow. had a, if we had a test coming up, or I had, I had been up all night uh, studying for like an algebra test, or later on uh, uh, some kind of calculus test, is math especially got really hard, hard, much harder for me in high school. Can we do a timeout? Would would that? Do you think that helped you? Like we, I always got to a point where it's like if I study for another minute, I'm I'm at my limit. I th- I know I probably should stay up all night and study, yeah. but it's not going to help me. Like if I don't know it by now, yeah. I don't know it. So I would stop, yeah, give my brain a rest, and I usually did pretty well. But I think you got better grades than I did. I never got a B. So I, and even in all my honors class, I never got a B. So so I don't know though that I retained anything. I think I got really good at memorizing things, regurgitating, be a good test taker. But I, but I, again, I do have to say, like my son likes to pray every night before we go to bed. He'll come down the stairs and say, "Hey, uh, just remind you to come up and pray." There's a reason he likes to pray, and 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 before we have dinner, we'll do something similar. So, so anyway, there is no way I don't in a public school that a counselor would get away with that today. Because someone just go out and tweet about it, and he would lose his job. Uh, what about you? Uh, Something that your teachers, counselors did in the 80s and 90s that they wouldn't get away with today, Ron. What do you Well, got? one that I think that you and I share, and, and it was a school employee, there was a football coach that was openly dating a, a cheerleader. Yeah. Like, so he was on, he wasn't the head coach. And there are many football coaches that weren't openly dating cheerleaders, but they were still dating them. And these were married football coaches. And it was just a known fact. These these were girls that were not 18. Yeah. So it was a known situation where uh, lots of people knew. I think the age of consent in New Mexico, though, is 13. It's very, very young. And the reason it is because you have a lot of people that come across the border from Mexico. And many people at a very young age get very involved and start having children. And and if you, if, if the age of consent was much more than that, then you would have had, in, in, in some ways, arrest big swaths of the state because people get married at a very young age sometime, sometime in Mexico. So, so like that, that was happening. And then the other one, tell me if, if this. Hang on, hang on. Hey, Bubba. No, you don't turn that off. Bubba. Uh, there's a little bit of milk left. Cheryl's down there, and then when Ron and I are, are done uh, recording, uh, I'll come on down. Okay? So there's some cereal. How'd you sleep? Good, but uh, good, huh? good, but bad. Good, good, but bad. Oh, sounds good. I'll, I'll visit with you in a little bit, okay? Thanks, man. Good morning. All right. We're recording in the morning. What's that? So um, tell me if this would fly, because I really did you don't turn, know. Did you turn that off when I saw I did not turn that off. Huh? I left it rolling. <laughs> Uh, so we were up late last night watching uh you're not gonna believe what we she were hulk uh, we were watching an avengers movie there you go so i had an art teacher oh boy that uh and i was r- really into art yeah. and my art class was before lunch and many times i would want to continue you'd be working on a project and i wanted to continue the project and so we got into this routine where uh, several times a week he would just bring me lunch oh. so he would p- make lunch at home and he would make some extra lunch and come in and it would be me and a grown man in the art room sharing lunch and i'd be working on some art project that i was working on wow. and there was nothing he was the nicest guy in the world 
Um, I don't think there like nothing untoward was happening, at least from my side of the ledger. Yeah. But um, could a could a teacher do that nowadays? I, I had a teacher by the name of Mr. Robertson. He's no longer alive, and he invited myself and my friend Rob to go to his house one day and help move. And so we helped him move. And then Rob told me, he goes, hey, I think I think Mr. Robertson was kind of hitting on me. I'm like, nah. He's like, yeah. So anyway, number of years later, I'm at the University of New Mexico. I'm on a ride along with uh, Albuquerque Police Department. And, and, and guess who we pick up down there? Who, and he, he was picking up boy prostitutes. It was, your friend. It, it was my teacher. Oh, your teacher. <laughs> yeah, it was my teacher. I was like, whoa, I guess... I guess Mr. Robinson was really picking up on my friend Rob. And then I have to say, I was a little disgusted that he was down there on the streets picking up boys. And then I have to say, I was a little hurt that he picked up on Rob and didn't pick up on me. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.loans. Mitch, we have a new client. She just got into mutual acceptance up in Shoreline. And we saved her some money because we were able to get that house under list price. Handed her over to you. And what were you able to do? Yeah, we've got her as part of our buyer benefit program. So between you negotiating down a little bit of seller credit and us giving her a little lender credit, she was actually able to save enough in rate that she's going to save about 100000 over the life of her loan. That is and incredible. $100,000 over the life of the 30-year loan. That's right. Wow. So all she did was uh, call Mitch, and she went to Mitch.loans first. He can talk to you about these programs as well. You can use me as your agent. And between the two of us as a team, because we were all ready to go, we secured the house under list price, bought down the loan rate, and she is getting a great deal. If you want to get a great deal too, go to Mitch.loans. That's Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. Uh, I have uh, young real estate agents that just, you know, they went out, they got their licenses, and then they'll they will call me and say, hey, what are some things that you would want me to know that um, that you have figured out in the first couple of years of being an agent? Ron and I have been involved in real estate for a long time, but as far as being agents, it's been a number of years now. And I think it's a really good question, you guys, because agents that have been agents for 30 years, they don't remember because you can ask them, how was the test? Was it hard? They don't remember because it was 30 years ago. And then some of them are so good and they just have their business down that if you ask them to be critical and tear their business apart and say, hey, what are some of the building blocks, some of the pillars of your business? Because you can, you, you could build your business one way. I could build it a different way. We could have different pillars and still both be very successful. And so for a lot of young agents, sometimes you're, 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 you're trying to figure that out. You're trying to dissect Agents that you see that have really great businesses, and then you're wondering, can I do that too? And can I pattern my business after that? So, Ron, I'll, I'll, I have a couple, but I'm going to ask you, what what do you what are some of the things that you have learned in in being curious and being an agent here in the last couple of years? And I don't mean just involved in real estate because you're you're you've been very involved in real estate and buying homes, flipping homes, doing all kinds of stuff for a long time. What what some of the things that you've learned that you would think would apply not only to a new agent, but could apply to, to all of us? It's going to sound like an old man, but it, it, uh, this applies to everything in our industry. Be on time. Say what you mean. 
and do what you say. Like, I know those are like golden rule type of stuff. If I, I often think it's like if Don and I wanted to make a plumbing business or an electrician's business, if we just showed up on time and returned our phone calls, we're already in the top 20% of business. Just if you just did that, if you just showed up on time yeah. and returned phone calls in one of those service categories, you're already in the top 20%. And then the other thing is like being honest when it's uncomfortable to be honest and doing what you say way harder than it you think it's going to be. Because if you're in the commission business and you, you know that if you don't get this job, you don't get a paycheck, it's really tempting to lie or to tell people what they want to hear. Then you get down the road when you knew you were fudging things. You knew you weren't being honest and truthful. Ooh, that's good. And then down the road, something goes sideways on you. That person does not like you anymore because you told them a uh, 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 falsehood or maybe you tweaked it a little bit so that you could get the business and then the business goes poorly. When you knew that, you we're, knew we're, it going so give, us, give us an example. You think of an example. I'll give one real quick. Think of an example where that, that temptation was there. I was on the phone yesterday with my friend Rochelle and Rochelle's a single mom. Her grandmother just passed away, left a house with a reverse mortgage on it. And so she called me and she said, hey, I need your opinion. I said, opinion on what? Should I sell this house, get out of the reverse mortgage, and there would probably be about $500,000 sitting there where she could go out and use that as leverage to buy something else, or should I stay in the house and fix the house up? So here I am as a real estate agent, and my job as a real estate agent, people think, is to sell houses. I don't think my job is just to sell houses. I think my job is to be honest with her. And the reason she told me that she called me, she said, not only are you my friend, she goes, I just know I can trust you. And if I'm supposed to stay in that house, uh, there, there's not a commission in it for me. And especially if I call my friends that are contractors and say, hey, my friend Rochelle, please uh, paint the walls and we need to do something with this door and all. So in other words, if we make a really cool place for Rochelle to live, and, and we did this when we first got in the business, uh, my friend Mary, who lives over in Ballard, I went to her house and I'm like, she's a single mom. I'm like, why are you selling this house? Well, because of the roof. Well, because of the foundation. Well, because of the driveway. I said, you know what? Let's get all, I said, I will help you get all those things fixed and then just stay in this house. One day, if you decide to sell this house, which, which you, you may, then call me. But in the meantime, that may happen 10 years from now. You should stay in this house with your daughter. Same thing with Rochelle. I'm going to walk that property tomorrow. And if we're supposed to sell it, great. And is there a commission in there for me and, and for Ron and for our business? There is. But maybe there's not. There, there, there is not. I put my head on my pillow at night knowing that I was honest with her, didn't chase a commission because at some point, if you do the right thing, like what's more important to me is that she called me and felt like she could trust me. That means everything. Cause you know what? She can't, she can trust me. I will, I will tell her the truth. And because she knows me and we're friends, she implicitly knows that. I thought when you laid your head on your pillow at night, you're like, how can I make this room colder? <laughs> Is there a way last to have it be 60 degrees? Up. Oh, man. I, the example I think of is, and you'll remember this client, we had a client that was absolutely married to his Zillow's estimate. 
We could you. It would take a freight train at full speed to get him off of the Zillow's S. And our first question we always ask people is, "What's your Zillow number and what's your Redfin number?" They're like, I, I don't know. I haven't really looked at it. I'm like, "Ooh, lie number one." So <laughs> we had a we had a decision to make, or I had a decision to make. Yeah. I could either go, "Oh my God, totally, that's going to happen." Don and I will we'll, we'll go after that number, and this is you know, and, and basically secure the business knowing that that number was not a real number yeah. uh, or, and this is what I did. I said, you're the, this is your piece of property. So you have final say, I don't think that's a realistic number. Uh, it's going to be quite a bit lower than that number. I know that's disappointing, but what I'm willing to do is l- I will experiment with you. We can try that number, but it, let's decide right now how many days we're going to let that number sit before we make an adjustment. And so I think, and we still got the business and it happened. I would have been delighted if I was wrong. If we, if we did it at his number and it sold at that number, I would have been thrilled. But guess what? Ron is never wrong. Well, I'm wrong a lot, but okay. in this particular instance, I was just trying to talk you up. It, uh, it, it, it went exactly the way we thought it went, but they ended up the both of that that couple ended up trusting us because they said you you didn't hide that fact uh, you gave it to us straight we we did what we wanted or what we thought we would want and we still got a good result um, and so th- that's an instance though where it's super tempting to just go with the flow tell people what they want to hear when you know that it's not true yeah and i'm not t- i'm not tempted to go with the flow for whatever reason and i'm not tempted to, to lie to people about that i i'm just i'm not tempted by it i'm not i i am i am not tempted by ill-gotten gain like i i don't want a dollar i didn't earn i i don't like 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 i want to earn it and um and I love seeing, I love adding value to people's lives because because a lot of times our transactions start when someone buys and sells and and then we're still very involved in their life and still very involved in the property. I think of Todd Lee's property right now that he's just finishing up and now he has his first rental over in Suncadia. Uh, or I think of our friend Ollie and Emmy who have bought a house and turned three apartments into a really cool triplex they're living in one and airbnb and out the other two and living out their lives in the uk with their new baby so those are the things that i really like and it it just kind of comes back to you if you take good care of people and yeah think about that how can i add value to people's lives in any business how can i add value am i adding value or am i taking things how do i add value here and if i adding value uh the rest of the good stuff comes to you guys, but you got to do it every day. You got to really add value every day. And that works in personal relationships. That works as a parent. Uh, that works in your business, your family. It just works. Just adding value. So, hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of The Ron and Don Show. If we can add value to your life, this is how you get in touch with yeah, us. Email me, ron at ronanddon.com or go to ronanddonsitdown.com and you can find a bunch of info there, but let's get you on the path. Yeah, need the newsletter? Uh, ron wrote something really cool this week, you guys. Uh, all you have to do is get signed up for it. That's at ronanddonsitdown.com. Follow us on our socials. I'm Don O'Neill on Facebook, Don O'Neill 34 on Instagram, and Ron is Ron Upshaw on just about everything head up shoulders back we'll see you next time 
for episode 444, 446. That's unbelievable. It's the Ron and Don Show. Oh, hey, I'm the Ron and Don Radio. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only. 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 Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. <laughs>